Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father God, for this divine appointment. We thank you, Lord, for the divine appointment with your word, that your word was sent to heal us. We thank you, Father God, that you love us so much. You are so good to us. We thank you, Father God, that you're helping us to receive. You're helping to get our hearts into a place where, where we can receive exactly what you have in store for us tonight. I thank you, Father God, for breakthroughs in people's lives, in people's bodies. I thank you for the kingdom of darkness being squashed and people's bodies being set free tonight. I thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and that the gates of hell will not prevail against us, your church. And I thank you, Father God, that your word, it produces in us life. You said your words are spirit and they are life, Father God. So we receive them as such, and we look to you. We keep our eyes focused on you, hearing your words, hearing what you have to say, and receiving what you have for us tonight. Thank you for all that you're going to do tonight. We already know you're a God of miracles. You're the God that supplies more than enough, more than we could ever ask or think. We look to you now. You're faithful. You're a faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> Healing. If you're, if you're new uh, around here, uh, you might not know healing's pretty common around here. We don't treat it common. We don't treat it as normal, but it just happens often. And that's because it's supposed to. Jesus modeled that, right? I mean, uh, you know, I had someone recently say something along the lines of, man, you're always, you're always talking about healing. The church you go to, they're always talking about healing. What's, what's up with that? I'm like, well, Jesus was kind of that way. I mean, you have a problem with what he was all about? Because that's, you know, he was healing, teaching, he was preaching, and that was like his ministry. That's what he was doing. He's going around, healing, teaching, preaching, and, uh, and, and we're his church, we're his body, we should be like him, right? We're not only should be like him, we are like him, we are created like him, and so... Wouldn't it be weird if your body did something different than your head? <laughs> and so his, his body should be about restoring the body of believers as well. Amen? All right. Well, um, I'm not sure about you, but kind of how my mind works with, with different things, especially with the things of God, is I like things to make sense. I want two plus two to really equal four. I want A squared plus B squared to equal C squared. And uh, I know that's kind of like formulas and, and, and making things, you know, work, but that's just how my mind goes. And uh, if it doesn't make sense, I'm, I'm like, I got to figure this out. I have to solve this equation. And, and with healing, um, you can, you, there is a formula to it. Um, part of the formula is to not make it a formula. It's kind of interesting, right? And, uh, and so we're going to be talking about uh, healing tonight. What gets someone healed? Is there a formula to this? Is there maybe something that we've missed in the formula to receive what God has for us in regards to, to healing? Again, the end result is we're in a place where, you know, it's not, it's not God who has to change to, to get us healed. It's usually us to, we have to rearrange, we have to get our hearts aligned with him and what he thinks. When, when we're thinking like he thinks, things just happen. It's, it's just the grace of God flows 
And so what we want to do is be open to change, be open to thinking differently than how we think right now. Uh, the thinking that, that has produced whatever you're receiving in life is based off of where you're currently thinking. And so maybe a different way of thinking will produce something better. And, uh, and so I don't know about you, I haven't figured everything out yet. So I'm constantly needing to tweak. I'm constantly needing to adjust and you know, go from one ditch to another and, and say, okay, let's, let's not go out of that ditch. Let's go out of that. Usually I hit both ditches before I kind of find the middle of the road. That's just the way I've always been. So uh, sometimes that's just me being stubborn, I think. And, but once I hit that middle of the road, it's like, I definitely know this is wrong. And I definitely know this is wrong. So this is the way it goes. Amen. You're like, what is he talking about? All right. Um, well, when talking about healing and having some sort of formula, the scriptures in Romans 3 actually talks about um, that there is a law of faith. And faith is what Jesus frequently pointed to. Remember how I mentioned how he was always getting people healed everywhere he went? It was just, he was just known for that. That's just who he was. But he would commonly point to uh, faith being the reason why someone received, why someone got healed. He would say, your faith has made you well. Or he would say something like, uh, what great faith have I not even seen in Israel? And so he pointed to that frequently when people were getting healed was faith. And so there's this, there's this concept, or you could say a spiritual law, Romans 3, I'm not going to read the scripture. I think it's like 26 or 28, somewhere you can find it. And 24? 21. Okay, that, that's the one. And uh, I knew it was in the 20s. And uh, there's, a, there's a scripture that says that there's a law of faith. It's like a law that you would say, like a law of physics, or, or there's different laws in the kingdom of God that govern how the kingdom works. And so... Um, but the, but the law of faith, I think sometimes we, we think we know what it is, we think we know how it works, and then we try to make some, something happen and oh, something's, something's off. If something doesn't work, we could say this, it's not the law of faith is broken, it's not that God's not doing what he said he would do, it's not, the, the part's not on his end, the part's on our end figuring out how to cooperate with the law of faith. Because if we can cooperate with the law of faith, we'll get faith results. It's kind of like electricity, you know? You're dealing with all the, those laws or theories regarding electricity, and, and if, you don't have enough, if you don't have enough volts, you probably are not going to have the right amperage to bring enough power to whatever you're trying to, to power up. And so it works the same thing with faith. If you don't have things connected right, if you don't have the right sort of power flowing, if you don't have the right sort of draw, things don't work right. And that's not the power company's fault. And uh, maybe it's the electrician's fault, but it could be us not knowing how to plug things in right, not knowing how to flip on switches. There's a lot of different factors that go into it. So there's, there's, there is that element to the law of faith. The good news is, it's still fairly simple. God designed this to work for literally anyone. Uh, when I say anyone, I frequently see kids operate in this law with just, and it just being even natural for them. So you don't have to be, you know, 
a student of the word even, you can grasp the law of faith and how faith operates really quickly, really easily. And the cool thing is faith is a choice. It's just something you can choose to operate in. It doesn't have to be something you have to be like, okay, I need to go study for the next year before I have any sort of confidence in exercising faith. No, you can exercise it right now. It can be a choice you make tonight. And, I, and that's the idea, right? We're getting, we're, we're, by the way, the end, end result, we're gonna come forward, people who are needing uh, something healed in your body, and you are getting healed tonight. So if, so if healing isn't normal for you, it starts being normal tonight. And, uh, and God's got a miracle in store for you. How do I know that? Because Jesus already paid for it. It's already a done deal. We're not wondering if, it's, if, if God's going to heal anyone. We already know he decided he wants to heal everyone. Just like we know he decided he wanted to save everyone. He wanted everyone to get born again. He already made up his mind. Amen? And so uh, I stumbled upon this law, um, actually myself, all by myself, um, back before I even knew hardly anything. And I, I kind of stumbled upon it out of necessity because I was having a problem, and, uh, which was a toothache. And this toothache, I was up all night, couldn't sleep. It was one of those, something's got to change or, or life's going to get really, really difficult. And, uh, and so I, it was like a weekend and doc, you know, dentist appointment wasn't going to happen real soon. And so I was, um, this was probably about eight months or so after I started having a real relationship with God. And that relationship started quite um, spectacularly. I had a real encounter with the Lord at 21. It, he changed my life. I went from going the world's way 100% and I could describe some things, but I lived in full sin. I, went, I was going 180 degrees the wrong way at 180 miles an hour. And, uh, and when God got a hold of me, I just, I just knew this is real. This is, not, this is not some religion. This is what God has designed for all of us. And at the, at the time where I had this encounter with God and I started having conversations with him, which by the way, is just normal when you have a relationship with someone. Um, I started having conversations with God and all, all of a sudden uh, things began to change in me. I started turning away from all the things I was doing, which at the time I didn't have any Christian friends. I didn't know uh, any good churches at the time. I didn't, this church existed, but I had no idea it existed. And, uh, and so I didn't go to church and I didn't have anybody that was praying with me, investing in me, speaking into my life. I just had an encounter with God and said, God, we're going to start hanging out. And everything started to change in my life. And I still had all my same party friends, still my alcoholic friends, uh, my druggy friends. And, but God started cleaning all that stuff out of me just without even trying. I didn't try to clean anything up. I just started hanging out with God and he was cleaning me up. And, uh, and so that's, that's for somebody because I wasn't planning on saying all that. But, but the, the reality was this night I had this, I had this toothache and I have this relationship with God. So I start talking to God. And, uh, and when I'm starting to talk to God, I start getting directed to his word. By the way, um, his word and, and his voice are uh, perfectly in unison. 
There's no contradiction between. And a lot of times when I have a conversation with God, he'll remind me of what he said in here. Happens all the time. And so, uh, so all of a sudden I'm praying like, God, what is going on? I need, I, need, I need this fixed. Can it be fixed? I didn't even know healing was like a thing. And, uh, and, and he, he directed me to the passage of the woman with the issue of blood. Some of you guys know that passage. But basically this woman had this issue of, I think it was 10, 12 years, and uh, had spent all her money trying to get healed, trying, trying to get doctors to fix her problem, couldn't, uh, was, ended up her being broke and still not being well. And so she heard about Jesus and, and heard that he healed. And she kind of set this own thing up in her mind, which I thought was interesting at the time. Like, she just decided, when I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And I'm like, where did she get that? Did she read that somewhere? Did she hear? She just kind of, seems to me, made it up. And, uh, and so she said, okay, I'm going to go find Jesus. When I find him, I'll touch the hem of his garment, and I'll be made well. Long story short, she finds Jesus, pushes her way through the crowd, and touches his, the hem of his garment and gets healed. Jesus has no idea who touches him and who gets healed, but he knows virtue or power flows out of him. So he turns around and starts asking everybody, who touched me? And there's a big crowd around him, so all of his disciples are like, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is, this is, there's a crowd here, and it says that they're thronging against him. And he ends up saying again, no, someone touched me. Someone, I felt power come out of me. Who touched me? And then this woman comes forward and says, says I touched you, explains the story. Jesus' response to her was, uh, uh, I forget what he says, woman, your faith has made you well. Go your way, your faith has made you well. And, and so he brought me to that scripture of that passage, and I said, so it was her faith that made her well. I wonder if my faith could make me well. I'm just having a real conversation with the Lord. Again, he's directing me to this passage. I'm suffering. I, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I just want to sleep, but I can't. There's this throbbing pain inside my mouth. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, if her faith can make her well, then, I, then I'm going to guess my faith can make me well. And so I, re, I recognized what stood out to me in the story was this almost arbitrary decision on how she was going to get healed. And it wasn't something that Jesus directed her to do because he didn't even know who touched him. So she just made this up. She's like, I'm going to touch his garment and I'm going to get healed. So I said, well, I'm going to make up something. I'm going to say... I'm going to say, I'm healed. And when I say that, I'll be healed. And I was like, yep, seems right. <laughs> seems easy enough. She did it. I can do it. And, uh, and so, and again, my, me saying this, I was saying this to, I was in my room alone. I was talking to God. I was like, I'm going to tell you I'm healed. And I said, okay, here goes, I'm healed. And I just waited there, waited there. And I started checking, started checking. All of a sudden, I could feel this heat in my mouth. 
and it started just like really small and then started to, started to spread. And all of a sudden, after about probably two, three minutes, all the pain had left. All the pain had gone. And I just stumbled upon healing. I totally, without even, without, I mean, without even trying, I got healed and it was super, I, I learned it in maybe 15 minutes. But that was just because I had this relationship with God and he directed me. And so, you know, God wanting you to get healed shouldn't take you years. Shouldn't take you having to go through all sorts of different trials and, and all these different efforts. God wants to make it super easy and simple for you. But there's a formula, there's a part of the formula that I think we miss that I had working in me because of my relationship with the Lord. And, and so what, what ended up, I, I recognize afterward where other people, trying to get other people healed, it wasn't as simple for them. And I'm like, I don't understand. Why is it not working for you the way it worked for me and the way I get healed on a regular basis? And, and then I started reading more scriptures and the Lord started showing me more things. And uh, let me take you to, real quickly to Luke 7. So come with me to Luke 7 here. I do want to make the point, it is simple. You just have to cooperate with the law. The law of faith. You have to cooperate with it. If you don't, then, then you shouldn't expect it to work for you. Um, Roman, uh, sorry, Luke 7 and verse 12 says, and this is Jesus, when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the son, or sorry, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he, he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, came upon all and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. So you might be saying, well, what part of this formula are you referring to in this scripture? Well, it's the part how Jesus responded to someone's suffering. Well, what was his response? His response was compassion. Other, other translations say that when he saw the, the mother crying, that he broke down in tears or he, he, it broke his heart. And so this is the motivator, compassion, or you could say love, is the motivator to faith. To get the law of faith to work for you, love has to be present for that to work. Now, um, the good news is your love is not the fuel to faith. If it was up to your love, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> Because our own love, our humanistic love, is, is, is usually very selfish. It's the love of God that fuels faith. And so um, 
I'll just read this next verse to you. Again, going on to the, this is the law of faith and part of the formula for getting the law to work is having love present. If love is not present, if the love of God is not there, faith doesn't work. Now you could say, well, isn't the love of God constant? On his end it is, on our end it has to be received. There, you can totally be blocking God from doing what he wants you to do because you don't have any faith or any trust in him loving you. And that's a real hindrance to faith. It's a real hindrance to receive from God. Galatians 5 says, uh, verse 6, I'm reading from the, the Passion Translation so you don't have to turn there. It says, when you're placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. What brings, what activates faith? What brings it to perfection? It's love. If I don't have the love of God working in me, faith doesn't work in me. It's the fuel, it's like the gasoline that powers the engine. The engine can be extremely powerful. You can have a 2,000 horsepower engine sitting there and that I would describe your, your faith that way. It's got all the power you need. It's got all the power to, I mean, it's the, literally it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that you carry inside of your faith. But that engine needs fuel. It needs something to run on. It needs a high-octane, high-powered fuel for that power to actually produce anything. And so love, the love of God is that for us. If we don't have the love of God working in us, then our faith is not, is not activated. Now, you might hear that and say, oh man, I need to like work on my, my relationship with God or I, I, need to, I, I need to start loving people better. Can I tell you, it's not, it's not that. It's not that. It's really just re receiving love and it can be, you can receive love in an instant. It doesn't take years. It doesn't take developing over a long period of time. It's just allowing God to do what he wants to do in you. Love, if it was, if, if love was just automatically received by us, then everybody would be walking in perfect love all the time. Because the key to walking in love is to receive the love of God. If I don't receive the love of God, I can't walk in his love. And his love is what I need to power the faith that I need to receive from him. I mean, let's, let's keep going. Um, by the way, that, that brought to perfection by love in the King James, it says, faith which worketh by love. How does faith work? By love. Now, love is one of those things that um, most people think they have a pretty good concept of. You talk to people like, yeah, I, I kind of understand what love is. Most, most people, though, they don't understand that there's different kinds of love. And our English language doesn't do a very good job because we take 15 def definitions and call it one word. Where in like the Greek 
and in, in some different languages, they have a dozen words for it because it's describing something completely different. So agape is the God kind of love. It's the selfless love. It is the love that produces God results. But if I don't, if I don't know the difference between that person who told me they love me yet stabbed me in the back, if I don't know the difference between that and how God loves me, I'm gonna miss what God's really trying to do for me. I'm gonna miss the, the love that he has for me, amen? See, most Christians don't have a problem believing that God can heal them. Most believers have no issue saying, yeah, I totally know God can. I know he's powerful enough. There's no question on, is he capable? What most people get stuck on is, does God want to heal me right now? And that's where people get stuck. Why do you think that is? It's a love problem. It's a not recognizing how much they're loved by God. If you are sitting there questioning, I don't know if he will do it for me. Can I tell you, you haven't stepped into the real love of God yet. The real love of God just destroys that thought. When you've experienced him loving you, it just washes those worries away. It totally destroys the notion that is he, is he willing to do it? Is he wanting to, to, to actually heal me? Uh, Mark chapter one, turn with me there real fast. Hallelujah. Chapter one, verse 40. Says, says, now, I will, going back to my testimony of stumbling upon healing, <clears throat> I had had a radical encounter with the love of God before this. Meaning, I experienced some love that I didn't know existed in the world. I didn't know it existed in the universe. I was, again, going 180 degrees down the wrong way. And, and you know, knew I was doing the wrong thing. I had grown up in church, but I was absolutely going 100% away from God. And when God got a hold of me, he showed me how much he loved me. And he, he, he basically said, I have a plan and I have a purpose for you. And I want to show you how much I love you. And at that moment, I couldn't wrap my mind around why God would want me. God, why would you want me? Why would you, why would you care? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know who I've become? Don't you know what kind of life I live? Don't you know how I've probably even said some bad things about you? But it was an encounter with that love that said, he just stayed silent right through those questions. Basically, are you done yet? And then, and then embraced me. And when the embrace happened, it just knocked off years and years of pain and suffering and wondering if I'm worthy, wondering if I'm, 
if I'm good enough. Because religion wants to keep you in a place of just wondering if you're good enough. Wondering if you're qualified. Wondering if you're good, good enough to actually get something from God. Is your, maybe if you get like a thousand people praying, maybe one of those people's like, people are good enough to get their prayer answered. That's totally religion. That is not the way God thinks. God loves us so much that he went through such great lengths to prove it. He has proved his love for us. He loves us beyond what we can possibly wrap our heads around. And this love that I had experienced was something that I, I continued to just have fellowship with the Lord. So my love tank, if you will, because the, the fuel tank was just up there. It just was always at a high level because, and when that happens, one thing you, here's how it works. Here's how you can gauge your love tank. Um, when someone does something that is against you, how do you respond? When you get poked, what comes out? Is it returning evil for evil? Or is it, there's just no more of that in me and all that comes out of me is, is what God's put in me now. It's a good gauge. It's a good, it's a good thing to say, Am I got the, do I have this love thing down or not? Because if I, if I get poked, if I get someone does something that's irritated, irritating to me, do I just fly off the handle? Do I just lash out? Or do I respond the way God would respond when you do something against him? See, that love... And being in that place of receiving his love is what puts you there. By the way, you can't get yourself full of love. You can't discipline yourself into responding in 100% love when someone comes up and smacks you in the face. The only way you can respond in love in all situations is when you have been filled with that love through God doing it. It's not through you. A lot of people say, you know, when they hear that, um, is my tank full or empty? Okay, I just need to start loving people better. I just need to start changing my behavior. That's not the right answer. You're trying to change the end of the equation when you gotta change the beginning of the equation. You change the beginning of the equation, the end result will change. Don't try to change the fruit change what's happening at the root. When you, when you start focusing on receiving love from, by the way, you, you might be saying, what's all this receiving love? Can, can I just tell you, this is what you were born for. This is why you're here on the earth. It's not to do something for God. Might be a shocker for you. God didn't put Adam here to do stuff for him. Why did he put Adam here? To have an object of his affection. To pour out his love on another being that was like him. That's why, he, that's why he made us. That's what you're here for. If you get that out of perspective, if you put that secondary when it's the number one priority, everything else struggles. He loves us. And so he wants to be with us to show it so that you experience it. It's not just 
John 3, 16. Oh, yep, there it is. God loves me. It's no, I, I talk to him. He shows me stuff. He helps me. I experience his love regularly. That type of love working in you is what makes faith work. It's what makes faith produce. It's what changes the world. It's what makes the impossible possible. Amen? Amen. I got a, another uh, scripture. This one's in um, the Passion Translation as well. Galatians 8.32, I'll read it. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. You know, this logic works throughout scripture where you see, got a, alerts going on. All right. <clears throat> try to stay, not, try to stay focused if you can. Don't get too distracted. But this is the, the concept we see over and over in scripture where, we're, where God compares our relationship uh, to our, our, our natural father, right? He says, if you, if you being carnal fathers, how much more does your father love you and wanting to give you good things? That's Jesus talking in Luke. Sometimes we portray God as people that we've ran into. Sometimes we put characteristics of people that we know and we say, God must be like this. And most people do it without even thinking about it. I've seen people who have had real problems with their natural dads having a real hard time with their father in heaven, even though they are 100% two different people. Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Well, because that love, that position that person was put in, they abused it rather than, rather than really doing what, what they were meant to do, which is to love them like God loves them. That's what we're called to do as fathers. And so that, what ends up happening with those people, with, with people who've been hurt that way, is they say, well, if, if this happened to me, God probably could have stopped it, so maybe he's like my dad. I've, again, I've seen it happen over and over again where people take that same perspective of who their natural dad is and put it on their real dad. Can I just tell you, there is no one on this earth like your father in heaven. There is no one like him. He is all by himself and how amazing he is how wonderful he is. He's described as love. He's described that way. He loves unconditionally without holding anything back, without making you qualify for his love. He just loves. That's who he is. He gave his son for you before you said yes to him. Before you said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start living for God. He's, he's, he already made a way for you to do it. He already gave you Jesus. By the way, the law of faith works for salvation just the same as it works for healing. When you got saved, when you got born again, and for those who aren't born again, when you do get born again, 
you are operating in this same law of faith. Why, is it, why, do, we, why do we deem getting saved easier than healed sometimes? Most, most of the time people do that. Why? Because the faith it takes to get healed is all based off of the love of God of the gospel. It's all based on love. It's all when I hear God loves me and so he sent his son to die for me, that love produces in us the, the fuel to have faith to receive salvation. It's the way it works. He, he has made this super easy. You hear how good and how much he loves you. You say, yep, he does. I receive it. Boom, your faith is activated. Your faith has fuel. And so that's where, that's where he wants us to be. He wants us to be in the downspout of his love. He's designed us to be loved. He made you a sponge for his love. You receiving that, you saying, okay, that's me. Okay, God, this is really, this is really your plan is to just love me and me to just receive it. For you accepting that puts you in the place of cooperating in the law of faith. It gets you into a position to receive what he has for you. He already paid for your healing. He already did it the same way he paid for your salvation. He paid for you to be healed. He paid for your body to be made completely whole. So there's no, there's no question of, of if. There's no uh, wondering, um, does God really want to do this? Does he really love me? No, he already bore it on him. See, Jesus, when he was on the earth and he took stripes on his back, he suffered that pain thinking of you. He went through such great lengths and such pain to take your sickness and your disease away. And just let the love of God wash over you for a second. Just let his love just wash over you. Just let it, just let it soak in. Could you imagine doing that for somebody else? Could you imagine loving someone enough that you would go through what Jesus went for you? What if, what if, what if they, you knew they were never going to respond to you? What if you knew that they were never going to say, wow, thanks? Would you still do it? That's the love of Christ. He did that knowing there's gonna be a bunch of people that still said, no thanks, not for me. Yeah, he said, I don't care. I'm going to make a way for him. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, still gonna, I'm still gonna receive your disease and suffer the consequence of that sin as that disease, even though you might never say, oh, wow, Jesus took that away from me. Even though you might have to suffer through it, even though you might choose to keep it, he still loved you enough to say, I'll take it anyway before you were even born. That's the love of Christ. That's the love of God. When that hits you the way it hits me, you're ready. <laughs> you're, ready to hit, you're ready to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to receive God. I'm ready to receive from you. I'm ready, to be, I'm ready to get whatever you want from me. Getting what, what God has from you 
Getting what God has from him is not difficult. It is easy. It's just a matter of saying, okay, you want this. It's, this is your plan. I'm gonna say yes to it, and I'm gonna receive it. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Healing is an expression of God's love. The reason he wants you healed is because he loves you. That's number one. You might think, well, maybe it's because he wants me to, you know, provide for my family. He wants me to, you know, do what he's called me to do. Those are all secondary results. The primary reason he wants you completely healed is he just cares about you. He sees your condition and he has compassion. It breaks his heart seeing you that way. It, it, it does something on the inside of him when he sees his kids suffering. And so he says, I'm gonna, I gotta do something about this. I gotta do something about this. And guess what? He did. <laughs> he did. It's a done deal. And see, even the anointing of God, which is God's ability and God's power on someone or words, even the anointing that's going to be imparted to completely break that off tonight, the anointing of God is just a manifestation of his love for you. The reason the anointing of God exists is the purpose is love. It's not he's trying to show off. He's, he doesn't have to flex for anybody. He's God. He doesn't have to like try to impress anyone. He's God. He's not trying to impress people by showing how powerful he is. No, he just wants, he, he really just cares about you. His only f singular focus, his own, the only way he thinks is I just want you to be well. I just want you to be helped. I just want your life better. I just want to do something that makes you smile. I just want that pain that you suffered through all day to just be a memory instead of an expectation. That's how God thinks. When we think and say, yep, that's how God thinks, it allows the love of God to start flowing into you. That love gives fuel to your faith. Amen? Amen? Let's do this just for a second. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just close our eyes. I just want you to meditate for just a moment on, on what Jesus did. The sacrifice that he, he made on the cross when he laid down his life, when he gave up all the, all the natural things of this world, all of his, you know, I'm sure he had probably natural aspirations. He gave those up. He laid them all down, said, nope. He even wanted to do salvation a different way. But he told his father, Father, not my will, but your will. We'll do it your way, God. And he went to the cross with the joy that was set before him, which was seeing you perfect seeing you healed, seeing you fully righteous, fully without sin, fully set apart, made into his image, a son and daughter of God. 
And I just want you to picture him on the cross. Picture what he suffered. The Bible says his back was tore open, that he was beaten beyond the recognition of a man. You couldn't recognize him. You couldn't tell who he was anymore. That beating was for our bodies. When he hung on the cross, all the sin of the world was upon him. That sin produced every disease known to man, every disease that we haven't even discovered yet. It produced that on his body and he bore sickness in his own body. He bore disease in his own body. He suffered pain. He suffered brutal torture. And he did it for us. He did it for us to be whole. He did it for us to just be, be better, not, not have to suffer. Not have to suffer from sin, suffer from the consequence of sin being separated from him. Not have to suffer through disease, not have to suffer through sickness. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, for the stripes on his back. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the price that was paid. We'll, we'll never be able to repay it. We'll never be in ourselves worthy enough for the gift. But Father God, we're just so thankful that you've been so merciful, that you are so kind and loving to us that you did that for us. Father, we look to you. We look to you. The source of our love, the source of our existence, the whole reason we're here. Father, we look to you. And we thank you, Father God, that you first loved us. You first loved us. So we love you back. And we say yes to your love. We say yes to everything that you have for us. And we're not going to settle for anything short of what you have in store, what you have planned for us. We're not going to settle for dealing with sickness. We're not going to settle for dealing with disease. We're not going to settle for just you know, getting by with the same old limp and the same old problem. No, we're not going to dishonor the, the sacrifice Jesus made. We're going to honor that and say yes. I'll receive what you have for me. I'll receive what you paid for me. Thank you, Father.